and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds, where we attempt to take movies that maybe need a little uh, renaissance, a little more love, and uh, we kind of give them a little spotlight here to get people to maybe appreciate them. And today's movie is definitely a contender for that. This is one of the most notorious bombs of all time. Uh, a movie that was not loved at all at its release, and over the years it really didn't uh, gain much of a following, but it's one of those that I have always liked, and like everybody I know who's seen it liked, and we are talking about the 1993 epic Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Last Action Hero. And uh, my guest today, uh, you may know him from other podcasts, he does a lot of TV reporting, writing, he, uh, I believe, covers TV for The Hollywood Reporter, very funny guy. I'm very excited to talk about Last Action Hero with him. Uh, please welcome Mr. Josh Wiggler. Oh, my God. It was just a matter of time, Mario Lanza, before you and I got on a podcast and just sprayed everything arterial red. This <laughs> is our time. It is our time to, to repaint this podcast. Thanks for having me, dude. I'm, a, I'm very excited. For people who don't know, Josh and I kind of live parallel lives. We cover a lot of the same TV shows and movies and stuff, and we have met at events before. We uh, have very similar personalities and takes on things. So this is really like the gatekeeper finally meeting the keymaster. It kind of is, yeah. Which one of us is Sigourney Weaver? I I want to play the role of Rick Moranis. I just like I've got like the frazzled hair. I've got the glasses. All right, I will give you the Moranis role for this one. I will step it up and I will be Ripley. I feel here. like you'll just like look good in that like auburn <laughs> dress that she's like you know like the, with the shoulders exposed. She also has the frazzled hair. I don't know why we're talking about Ghostbusters when we're supposed to be talking <laughs> Schwarzenegger, but I guess that's just where where we've wound up. Yeah, and and I will say again, this is my first Schwarzenegger movie I'm covering, so I will say this is a wonderful chance for amateur Come podcasters. Come on, what took so long? Why did it take you so long to get to the Schwarzenegger movies here on Staff Picks? As I was about to say, this is a, the chance for amateur podcasters to break out their best Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. So I'm sure you're going to hear a lot of that today. I don't have the opportunity to do a Schwarzenegger nearly often enough, or at least I haven't seized the opportunity to do a Schwarzenegger impression. So I'll try and rein it in as best as I can. But even just as you were starting to mention, I I, I, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Come on, Josh. You're the one who should be doing Schwarzenegger impressions on staff picks. You're the one that should be re reading stories about bears that go shopping. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Last Action Hero. Holy crap. This is your first. So this is your first Schwarzenegger movie that you're doing on staff picks. And we're starting with Last Action Hero. That feels appropriate for, like, the mission statement of your podcast. Yeah, although that's only because I haven't done Jingle all the way yet. We'll be doing that later. <laughs> So my my wife, who who I love dearly, of course, one of the reasons that I love her so much is that like our pop culture tastes are not very closely aligned. So I like grew up as a Schwarzenegger kid. Uh, we could talk about that in a little bit. Um, and I remember a few years ago asking Emily what her favorite like we I've, I've been talking to a bunch of friends about like top five Schwarzenegger movies because I think that that's like a controversial hot button debate that you can have with a lot of versatility in that top five. And I posed the question to my wife, and like number one was Jingle All the Way, and I was, I was appalled. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, I've got love for Turbo Man, but uh, that was just, uh, that was offensive. I gotta imagine that the, um, uh, that the Sinbad Genie movie is also on her list of uh, top ten movies of all time, even though that movie supposedly does not exist. It does not exist. Well, let's clear that up right now. But anyway, yeah. yeah. I, you see, you're not a Jingle All the Way fan. No, I love Jingle all the way, but top five Schwarzenegger? That feels excessive. Yeah, put down those cookies. <laughs> With young Anakin Skywalker being such a little bitch. <laughs> oh, my God, it's great. It's a great movie, but uh, we could talk about the little bitch that is Danny Madigan here on this podcast. Okay, so let me hear your backstory with The Last Action Hero, because you're a little younger than me, so I'm curious how you kind of came across this movie, how you were introduced to it, and like what your backstory was with Schwarzenegger movies before Last Action Hero. So you and I are here today on this podcast because of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, there's the obvious reason, because we are talking about The Last Action Hero, but in a, in a more deep-rooted way, we are talking because if not for Arnold Schwarzenegger, I don't think that I would be in the line of work that I am in today. Uh, I'm 33 years old. Uh, I was a 7-year-old when Terminator 2 Judgment Day arrived in our universe. Uh, and my parents, who are spectacular, phenomenal human beings that maybe are a little gullible or are not really paying close attention to detail when it comes to the ratings of movies, back in 1992 decided it would be a great idea to take seven-year-old me and my nine-year-old brother 
to see Terminator 2. Uh, and nothing was the same after that. <laughs> I was I was all in. Like, I could not get enough Schwarzenegger. Uh, my parents were appalled, but the damage was done. It was like the opposite of PTSD. It was just like they'd given me my purpose. And everything in my life from that moment forward was going to be about, like, nerdy action movies, nerdy sci-fi movies, uh, nerdy video games, all of that. So my, my first encounter with Schwarzenegger is Terminator 2, which led me down the rabbit hole of previous Schwarzenegger films, original Terminator, Predator, you name it. Um, and I don't have a distinct memory of when I saw Last Action Hero for the first time, but I, I never, I, I have no memory of a moment in my life where I thought this movie was anything but incredible, mm -hmm. uh, where I thought this movie was just hilarious and a delight and such a subversion of everything that I'd come to expect about Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm sure I didn't pick up on a lot of the subtleties as a kid, but over the years, just every time I, my mind goes back to this movie, uh, the, the very existence of this film is wonderfully baffling to me. So I love this movie. I love the famous comedian Arnold Braunschweiger, uh, and I can't wait to talk about it more. But I would love to get your take on how you encountered Last Action Hero, because in the preparation for this podcast, and man, I'm a shitty pop culture reporter because this was all completely over my head, I really had no idea just how like brutally damaged this movie was. Yeah, that's the thing. That's um, what we're why this movie was picked for staff picks is that this is really the one, the first and the biggest Arnold Schwarzenegger bomb. And he was one of those guys in the 80s, 90s. Every movie he did was a hit. And not only was it a hit, it was always the biggest movie in the world. Like he was the biggest star in the world. And when I was a kid, my parents wouldn't let me watch our movies. They were very strict on that. No super violent stuff, no super stuff with lots of sex or violence or anything like that. So like Schwarzenegger movies were kind of off my radar. I kind of knew about Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Destroyer. Those came out when I was like 10 years old. But all the really hardcore Arnold ones in the 80s there, I was not allowed to see. And even if I could, I would have been allowed to see. I probably wouldn't have wanted to. Because they were a little too, took themselves a little too seriously, like Commando and Predator, which are right. you know, big Arnold classics now. But that wasn't what I was watching at 12. I was watching like Three Amigos and stuff. So like, that really wasn't my thing. And Terminator 2, that's the one that really, I mean, you highlighted it yourself, that basically that's the movie that turns you into the modern day Arnold Schwarzenegger yourself. <laughs> I really am. I mean, the, it's 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 very easy to get confused when you see the side by side of the two of us. Yeah, your lives turned out so parallel. It's amazing. So so similar. Yeah. So similar. But yeah, what I was saying is that uh, that T two was the biggest movie ever, and I just was enthralled by that movie. I thought that was so cool. The sci fi, just the story, just everything about it. And so then I went about, I went back and caught up in all the other Schwarzenegger stuff, and then I just loved everything about him. I loved Twins, Kindergarten Cop. He was my favorite actor. I could really say my life through the late 80s all the way through the 90s was like periods of time separated by the next Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. That was really my life, what I look forward to. And then Last Action Hero came out and, well, not exactly a flop. It just wasn't the biggest movie in the world. It was the first time that didn't happen with a Schwarzenegger movie. And man, did the critics and everyone just came down on him at that point. Yeah, no, I was I, I I didn't realize that it it came out on the same weekend as Jurassic Park or the weekend after Jurassic Park, I think. What a mistake! Who made who made that choice? Who who goes up against Steven Spielberg dinosaur movie even if it's Arnold Schwarzenegger? So it's it's really no surprise in retrospect that this movie got stomped on by a literal T-Rex. Um but the the fact that it hasn't gained a cult following it, it hurts me deeply because there's so much funny nonsense in this movie. Yeah, and Schwarzenegger himself, has he, apparently he took it really hard that this movie flopped. He, uh, he has credited this movie as being really the end of his career as a big action star. Like, this wow. was the first time he realized he was fallible. He really, in, in a sense, became uh, uh, Jack Slater here. And uh, he was fallible. He learned he could be hurt. And then he really had the one big one after that, True Lies, which I'd argue wasn't so much because of Arnold, but it was because of James Cameron. Sure. And that was kind of the steady decline of his career after that. He was never the same after this movie. Yeah, just looking at the list of Schwarzenegger movies, that really bears out. There's True Lies, which is a classic, Stone Cold classic. Uh, but then you get from there, so we're in 1994, and I was off by a year with my Terminator 2. That's 91. Uh, but you go, you go in 94, 
from True Lies to Junior. <laughs> and like not to diss Junior, but I think that that would be on my wife's top five Schwarzenegger movies. Uh, followed by Eraser in 96. Jingle All the Way is in 96. Then we get to the cold stove of 1997's Batman and Robin. You get to 99's End of Days, 2000's The Sixth Day. Like these are all the dregs of the Schwarzenegger action movie genre. It really, it really does very quickly devolve. Uh, past last action hero. This was, this must have been, I don't know, this was like cutting off the beard of Samson. This was what, <laughs> what deflated him forever. I saw this in the theater, and again, yeah, it really did come out the same week as Jurassic Park, and I remember seeing them both, and I loved them both. It was never a either-or thing, and I, I, I've read the same thing that you did, that this movie, they, they blame Jurassic Park for why it flopped. Like, I don't necessarily think that's true. I think Jurassic Park would have beaten it anyway, but I do think this movie was a little too complicated and complex for its own good. Like, I think it would have been a disappointment any time of the year when it came out. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think probably. I think that there, there's a lot going on in this movie that I think is a little hard to wrap your head around. Like, I don't know. I don't think that any version of this movie that includes Whiskers, the detective, <laughs> the cat detective, is really going to be a home run in terms of uh, box office success. What's funny is I read criticism of Last Action Hero and almost everybody mentions Whiskers. It comes up in like every single criticism of the movie. And I didn't even remember there was a cartoon cat in this until I just watched it the other day. Like that's yeah. I, I, I'm always surprised that gets so much focus. Like people focus on the cat. And like I'd seen this movie t like 15, 20 times. I didn't even remember him in there. Yeah, because he's barely in it. He's in it for like three scenes that I can think of. So mm -hmm. he's in it. He's in it early when they go to the to the precinct for the first time. There's the whole uh, John practice scene, which is a very bizarre scene. Uh, and then he's there at the end. And that's really it for Whiskers the Cat. But I think that it's just like it's that it's that same sort of uncanny valley quality of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, except not well done yeah but <laughs> like, it's not Whiskers it's not is oddly shoehorned into this movie yeah but it's not horribly done and that's the thing like even though we talk about this movie being a bomb it wasn't really a bomb it still made a buttload of money it just wasn't terminator 2 right and i think it's it's a it's a matter of expectations it seemed like everybody involved in this movie and it sounds like this movie had a real tough road in terms of um its development with multiple writers coming on and clashes with the director and the studio and schwarzenegger having a vision for it that I, it, it feels like it must have just not been the movie that anyone knew they were making if anybody knew what movie they were making at all um but i don't feel like that translates on screen don't you feel like this feels like a very well-worn universe when you're watching last action hero at least it felt that way to me yeah i've never not liked this movie i mean i've seen it many times and i remember the night we saw it in the theater i was with my parents and my brother and we came out and i remember thinking that was really cool like i'd never seen a movie and for people who haven't seen it before this movie's it's it's more of a comedy than an action. It kind of is parodying action movies, and it does all this stuff with people going into movies, people from the movies coming out into the real world. It was very, very ambitious. And I remember coming out of it and thinking, that was really cool. And I just remember this very specifically. There was a girl, one of my uh, brother's friends from high school, not someone who I would call especially bright, who I remember had was walking out of the theater, and she happened to be there with us, and she was talking to my parents, and she said, that was like one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen. Like, you, just, you just look at the action and you say, duh. And I just remember even back then, I'm like 19 thinking, well, that's because you're not bright enough to understand it. Like, I mean, I, I can't say that. You're an yeah, idiot. I can't say it out loud. That's because this movie is aiming for something that's a little higher than normally we get in movies. And I just, that's a very distinct memory of mine that not everyone really gets this movie. Yeah, I think – and I think that that's another reason why this movie would – anytime you release it uh, would probably have a little bit of a difficult time getting a hold of a large group because it is primarily an action comedy, but it's dealing with some like – existential angst as well there's there's some drama here there's the whole idea of like am i real what am i is my universe real is everything i know a lie because there's that blend of the line between the real world and the hollywood world and having to confront the fact that your existence is not what you think it is it's like uh it's like the, an action comedy hollywood version of the matrix yeah. like there is just, you know there's a lot going on which seems like such an absolutely ridiculous thing to say but there's some depth to this movie that I think is a, a challenging blend in terms of the genre. I was reading one uh, review of it, just it's a, a recent review. Someone watched it for the first time recently, and there's a sentence in here that really stuck with me. And they said, meta doesn't even begin to describe what's going on here. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, you know, you need to drill a little deeper than meta, but that is like, you know, it's certainly a tag that you could put on your post about Last Action Hero, but there's a lot more going on in this movie. Yeah, specifically when I was watching it today, we'll walk through the plot here in a minute. We'll, we'll you know, a lot of people haven't seen this movie before, but there's, there's some scenes at the end where Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a character named Jack Slater, who's an action hero. He somehow comes back into the real world where he doesn't get that he's a fictional character, and then he meets the real Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> who he blames for the death of his son and that, that he didn't even know was real in the first place. Like, there's so much going on at certain levels at that point when Slater's pissed at Schwarzenegger. Like, what the hell is going on? Like, again, I, I can see why this movie was just a little... It's a little ambitious for its own good, and I would argue it doesn't always work as well as it should, but... Again, I've never sat through this movie and not enjoyed it. And it's one of those things. I just don't get why there's so much anger towards it. Like, it failed, but it failed in a very noble way. <laughs> It's kind of funny because you, you say that, you know, Schwarzenegger took this very hard to the fact that this movie didn't land. I could just imagine, like, the psychiatrist sessions he had <laughs> after this because he put so much of himself on display in this movie. He's really sending himself up, not just in terms of the work that he does in this space, in the comedy, not the comedy space, in the action space, and turning, you know, um, you know some of the – he certainly has comedy chops, great comedy chops, in fact, and he's, he had already proven that with Twins, Kindergarten Cop coming into this movie. But he He's like sending up his actual self too. Mm -hmm. the actual fictional Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> that you meet in this movie is kind of a goober uh, <laughs> where like his wife. It's so weird to see uh, Arnie and Maria Shriver together again uh, in, in this film. But there's that moment where she's like, please don't talk about Planet Hollywood. It's so <laughs> annoying when you talk about Planet Hollywood. And he gets interviewed and immediately is like, let me tell you about Planet Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> we have curly <laughs> fries. <laughs> <laughs> We've got mozzarella sticks. Yeah, he's just automatically just like taking shots at himself. So you can just imagine the therapy pills. Of, <laughs> they don't like me. So it's sad, but what are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, and again, I've read reviews of this movie that even even the reviews that slam this movie, they're generally pretty positive of Schwarzenegger. They're like, well, he it's like the only movie he's ever had any depth to him. Like he's playing different yeah. variants of himself. He's making fun of himself. And then one uh, review said it's the only truly funny Schwarzenegger comedy, which I'd... I'd probably agree with, like, you really do laugh out loud at several things in this movie. And I don't know if I never really laugh out loud at, like, Kindergarten Cop or, or Jingle All the Way. But, like, I love mm -hmm. those, but they're kind of more cute than laugh out loud. I would say this is the funniest Schwarzenegger movie. And maybe it's kind of the uh, argument that I maybe use in a future episode on uh, Sylvester Stallone and Oscar. That the audience, yeah, oh, yeah, the that. audience just didn't want to see that. Like, I don't want to see this guy be funny. And I think maybe that was some of this movie. I don't know. There's... So many, like, I have so many pages of this notes, I don't even really know where to begin on some of this stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, with, with Kindergarten Cop and Twins, like, those are funny movies, but there's, there's like, a, there's a caustic quality to them, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're, like, they're kind of, like, funny in, in, like, um, you know, there's, there's the cutesy aspects to them, but they're, they're also, they could be really mean, they could be a little, they could be a little dirty, the whole storyline of Kindergarten Cop is kind of aggressive, um, and in Last Action Hero, there's there's moments of drama and, you know, high stakes, but there is always this sort of cartoonish sheen washed over it that I feel like it's it, you know, to go back to meta um, and literally in the case of the events of the movie, like I think it breaks the fourth wall too often for probably most people's tastes, but not for my taste. Yeah. For my taste, is perfect. Yeah. And again, I've, I've read some other reviews that say, you know. 15 years later down the road, these meta comedies that deconstructed genres were a dime a dozen. But in 93, there weren't very many of them. So maybe that maybe it was just kind of ahead of its time. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Because I, I do think maybe now, like if Schwarzenegger came out with a movie like this now, because, you know, he's he's obviously he's no longer the governor of California. He's put his, uh, you know, he's dipped his toes back into the into the movie pond and none of it's really taken um, that I can that I can think of. Like, I don't think The Last Stand did much business. Uh, that movie he did with Stallone was so <laughs> bad. What was that escape plan? I think. <laughs> You know, if he came out with a movie that really took a, a shot at himself and in a competently made way, and that means like not in an expendables kind of way, in a way where he's really wholeheartedly embracing his past, I feel like that movie would, would light it up right now. I think people would be very excited about that. So I think I think that's a good point. I think ahead of its time uh is the is the right way to describe last action hero but so of its time too mm -hmm. you know it's so of the early 90s late 80s yeah and i'm glad you mentioned that because i'm just gonna read off a couple facts here for people who aren't aware of this at the time this was the biggest budget movie in hollywood history 
Wow. Are you serious? I'm, I'm, not, I'm totally serious. It was the most expensive movie in Hollywood history. They spent so much money on marketing this movie to the point that uh, at one point they uh, had a plan to write Last Action Hero on the side of a rocket that was about to be launched into space because they wanted to say <laughs> they were the first movie to advertise in space. And There isn't even any space quality to Last <laughs> Action Hero. They just wanted Why? to do it. That's the thing with Arnold. He was so big. Everything is bigger and better. We're just going to break all these rules. And that, that's the hilarious thing about this is that the rocket was supposed to be launched into space at the same time to, cor to correspond with the opening of the movie. But because of delays, it didn't launch for like two weeks after the opening, so it didn't even time right. <laughs> so it's like everything that was supposed to go right for this movie just went wrong. Like it had way too many writers. It was they spent way too much publicity and money. And then I think I was reading somewhere that the director was pissed because when it was finished filming, they only had three weeks or something to edit it. Like it was literally in theaters three weeks uh, after. And the, the director has said, well, some of the sequences in the movie, there's no editing in them. That's just literally how we filmed it because there was no time <laughs> because the studio was so insistent it had to be out in the summer against Jurassic Park. So it's like, I read one sentence that said, uh, here's some, some uh, studio executive who said, uh, last action hero was the last of the big smug movies. Mm. And it just kind of, yeah, well, it got, you, kind of kicked sand in the face. It just flopped, and then you don't see those anymore. Or tar in the face. But, it, you know, I feel like they wiped the tar off with as much ease as Jack Slater does in the movie. Because if that's the case, and, you know, I got to trust the, the public accounts, the public record. There's a lot of people who made this movie that are on the record saying it was a disaster to make. Um, it came together really well. It you know, it, it it feels, uh, you know, they must have not slept a, a wink in those three weeks. Cause I feel like they did a great yeah, job. It's one of these times when I read stories like the making of this movie. I'm just happy I don't work in, in uh, entertainment anywhere. Like, I know you do, yeah. but it must be so stressful having this much money and marketing and stuff over your head, knowing like you've, you've spent like, millions and millions of dollars on a movie. I don't know how those people sleep in the days and nights leading up to the opening of the movie, because how much of their career is based on this one decision they made? Yeah, I think that their their stomach is just in a permanent knot. I think you have to live with just some some level of deep abiding stress at all times. That does not sound like a way to live as far as I'm concerned. Okay, with all the unpleasantness out of the way, would you like to delve into the story of Last Action Hero, Josh? Oh my god, I would love nothing more. <laughs> Okay, again, part of the, the reason why I do this podcast is to introduce movies to people that might not have seen them or might not give something a chance. Obviously, a Arnold Schwarzenegger movie is not for everyone's taste, and I know that's the weirdest thing to say because he was the biggest movie star in the world at the time, but I know not everyone is going to want to go see a big Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie. And that's the one thing that I think I would, I'm going to speak for Josh here, but I'm assuming you would agree with me. This is not your typical Arnold movie. This is, right from the start, a parody slash send up slash meta whatever the hell it is version of Arnold's universe, which is very, very comic and very, very clever and subtle. Very exaggerated. It's a, it's Arnold to uh, to his most exaggerated extreme. You know the the Schwarzenegger analog on the Simpsons Wolf Castle Rainier Wolf Castle. This is kind of like the live action version of that character, where like he would have a movie that's called "I'll Shoot You in the Face." <laughs> like it's you know it's 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 everything that you think you know about Arnold Schwarzenegger if you're not a Schwarzenegger guy and just blown up to its its wildest conclusion uh and clearly schwarzenegger having a lot of fun with it there's um you know the main character is a movie junkie who's the biggest schwarzenegger fan in the world and early on in the film he sits in a theater and watches a trailer for a Macbeth remake or is it hamlet, hamlet. i think it's ham it's hamlet and it's just Schwarzenegger as Hamlet destroying Denmark. <laughs> and, you know, he has a, a great closing line where it's like, something is rotten in the state of Denmark and Hamlet is taking out the trash. Uh, he lights up a cigar as like an explosion is happening in the background and he goes, to be or not to be, not to be. <laughs> it's just such a great line. So it's, Schwarzenegger to a wild extreme is the Schwarzenegger of the universe that we're dealing with in Last Action Year. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up The Simpsons because this is something I, I had no idea. I just read this in this article today that this movie was inspired by The Simpsons. But the writer, Zach Penn, I think was the guy's name, he uh, he said, you know, if, if The Simpsons can destroy genres at the same time as they embrace them, why can't we do it in a live action movie? So this movie really is a Simpsons. It's an attempt to be a Simpsons episode. 
Yeah, no, and it plays that way, you know, in much of the same way that The Simpsons is, you know, a comedy first and foremost, but has moments of heart baked into the comedy. I think Last Action Hero very deftly follows that mold. Okay, so let's let's run through the start of the movie here. So it starts with it looks like a real movie. We're actually watching a movie within a movie, but it's it's Jack Slater. He's at a there's a a villain named the Ripper. He's on top of a building. He's got all these kids held hostage and uh, all the cops are there. They're surrounding him. And like all of a sudden Schwarzenegger walks like over the cop cars, like this big over the top manner like he would do in his movies. And they got this great uh, police chief. I, I forget the actor's name, who just yells at him. Which is like a stereotypical in any action movie, the the really angry police chief who hates his his number one cop or whatever, and right. Arnold flips him his badge, and so Arnold goes up on the roof of the building and and saves all these kids from uh, the Ripper, and I, and I, I I just want to say one thing here, I didn't know this, I was reading some trivia on this movie that that, that there's a lot of little subtle jokes and references in this movie that. <laughs> this is a really subtle joke. I didn't even get that. The Ripper's got all these little kids corralled on the top of the building. He's got them all hostage. And if you look close, they're all little blonde kids. And that's like the thing in the media. That's like the running stereotype in the media that no one, no kid gets any media attention unless they're little and blonde. It's just a, just a really <laughs> subtle joke in this movie that I had to, someone had oh, to explain to good. me. That's really funny. Yeah, I'd never noticed that before. But just like adding up all the – like even Danny Madigan's a little blonde kid. That's very funny. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so Schwarzenegger walks up to the roof, he stops the bad guy, there's this really cool, it's like the iconic shot of this movie where this bad guy, the Ripper, throws an axe at Arnold and it goes whipping past his face as he dives down, and it's a really cool shot, I've always liked it, and then and then the, the, the action starts getting all blurry, and then you realize that this is a movie, and you fade back to the real story, which there's this kid, Danny, who is watching this movie on the screen in his favorite theater. He loves Jack Slater 3. This is like the 5,000th time he has seen Jack Slater 3. And Danny Madigan, movie nerd, total dweebus, is so excited for Jack Slater 4, which should be coming very soon. He's best friends with the movie theater owner, and the movie theater owner clues him in on, you know, I might be getting Jack Slater 4 a little early if you want to come to my place and check it out, which isn't creepy (laughs) at all. Maybe a little bit creepy. Danny Madigan seems like he gets himself into some creepy situations. Yeah, although I do like the shout-out in this movie to this old big palace movie theater, which anybody listening to this podcast now in 2018, you've probably never seen a theater like that, but those still were in vogue maybe in the late 80s, early 90s, these big giant palaces that would only show one movie. Like, that was the thing. Yeah. So that's, I, I kind of like that throwback here in this movie. That was my favorite type of theater when I was a kid. Like, there was one in, like, two towns over from, from where I was, and it was always – it didn't matter what movie was showing. You would just go because it was a destination. It was such an event. Uh, I think that's one of the one of the things that must have really resonated about this movie with me. Yeah, absolutely. You and I just grew up probably watching tons of movies, and the whole conceit of this movie is that a kid who loves movies can be transported into the movie himself – which is so cool. And then later in the movie, the the people in the movie can come back into your world, which is, I, mean, I, I kind of think they didn't really do as much with it in this movie as they could, but that's such a cool idea for a kid who grows up in the movie theater. It's a great concept. Uh, the weird thing about that is, and and so we're we're skipping ahead a tiny bit here. But Danny Madigan, he he basically he goes home. He's uh, his mother is widowed, so she works you know night shifts and everything. She's very rarely available. Danny Madigan gets robbed because he's a little punk who gets robbed, uh, and he you know he decides not to wait around for his mom anymore. He just hits the road and he's gonna go and check out Jack Slater four. And he goes to his movie theater old man friend who gives him a present, gives him a little a little uh, <laughs> gift in the form of a magical, mystical movie ticket that was apparently from Harry Houdini. But also it sounds like it has roots in the Himalayas <laughs> or some other sort of like <laughs> in ancient India. They watched a lot of movies back then. I love this. I I never really picked up on this the first time I'd seen it through or until this last time that I watched it. Why is this why is there this elaborate mythology like this movie ticket was forged in the fires of Mordor uh and like it has this special power to transport you into into film which was only an art form for like not quite 100 years or so at that point. So I don't understand it, but hey, 
movies. Last action hey, movie. I, makes sense. I'll tell you how that comes about. It's because this movie had five different sets of writers, and it was passed around many times <laughs> in a desperate attempt to save it. And then someone came yeah, up. And one guy's like, I don't know, fucking magic. <laughs> someone came up with this clumsy movie ticket, which has been, again, like you said, passed down from Hephaestus on Mount Olympus. It was made for Athena many thousands of years ago. Yeah, it's crazy. That it makes no sense. And many reviews have criticized this really clumsy plot device of this kid getting a magic movie ticket, which that's totally valid criticism. And I don't care. It's still a fun movie. It's it's so stupid, but so fun. I don't give it any kind of a shit about it. It's just it was so funny to be like, wait, wait, are you I, I knew the Harry Houdini part of the origin story, but I had completely forgotten that this is like. You know, it was created in the hip. What are, what are we doing? It's just the magical mythology of the golden ticket. What's even better about that is I was reading up that, that some reviewer pointed out, well, Harry Houdini's whole life was spent debunking mystical crap and saying, like, Penn and Teller, basically. He's saying everything's BS. So the fact that he would own a magic ticket that could put you into the movie, like, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> He'd be the first person against that. <laughs> anyway, they didn't really fact check that with any of their 500 writers, but... Uh, the magic ticket takes off, and it, it brings Danny into another world. Yeah, okay, so uh, before we get too far, let's talk about Danny here. A lot of criticism on this movie is focused on the actor, Austin O'Brien, who plays Danny, who, by my reckoning, may be the most hated child actor in any movie ever, if you read the <laughs> reviews of this movie. Yeah, I mean, again, I think Jake Lloyd as Anakin has to has to take the cake, but this has to be pretty close. I got sand. Sand is sandy. I don't like sand. We could have brought him, Hayden. <laughs> Oh, my God. That would be an awful movie. This movie remade with, oh, Hayden Christensen as a grown-up Danny Madigan. <laughs> there you go. It's writing itself. I'm hurt. I'm confused. Jack is hurt. I'm scared. <laughs> he accidentally breaks uh, Bridget Wilson's neck. Okay. <laughs> grows, up, grows up to bang Whitney Slater. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, Austin O'Brien gets a lot of flack. I don't... I really don't mind him in this movie, but he will have about 40% of the exposition throughout the movie. So if you find him smug and you think he has a little punchable face, you're totally entitled to that opinion. I don't happen to agree with that. I think he's pretty good in this. What do you think? Are you a fan of Danny in this? I think he's, I think he's pretty good. Uh, I, I, I wonder, is it okay to think that he's pretty good and to want to punch him in the face at the same time? Because I, I kind of feel like that's where I'm at with Danny Madigan. He has some moments where I really just want to give the guy a noogie and just be like, stop. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, just be be quiet and don't do that anymore. But then I don't know his enthusiasm for Jack Slater. He has some funny moments. Um, he you know he's always trying to to get Jack Slater to realize that he's in a movie and he's not real. And some of the ways that he tries to trick him are very funny. I'm thinking of the the notepad towards the the middle of the movie. So I don't know. I th I think Austin O'Brien he really goes for it. He seems like he's having a ton of fun. I'm. This has to be his breakout role. I can't imagine that he was doing too much before this movie. Don't think he's doing too much now. <laughs> yeah, this was the signature, uh, so I, the signature Austin O'Brien role. Yeah. He did. He was in My Girl too. I remember him from My Girl too, and I definitely prefer Austin O'Brien in Last Action Hero to Austin O'Brien in My Girl too. Macaulay Culkin, tough actor. Yeah, he was a replacement Culkin. That's a tough one to follow. That's a hard. Yeah, Culkin clone <laughs> is not a good look. Okay, that's like Jason Bateman in Teen Wolf too. <laughs> right, yeah, and he's great, so, you know, I don't know. Austin O'Brien could have sucked it up and had a better <laughs> And I, I uh, checked with our judges, and it is okay to say that you wanted to punch him from time to time. So okay, violence good. against there, children is approved here. Just a few moments, you know. I, I just like, really wasn't feeling it. Okay, so we get into the movie, and this is the movie he's watching, Jack Slater 4. And it starts on this uh, big mansion on a cliff, and there's this whole subplot about these two gangs, the Vivaldis and the Torellis, which I couldn't give a crap about. <laughs> At no point in my life have I ever watched this movie and cared about the subplot going on. The movie doesn't seem to care <laughs> yeah. much either. But yeah, so anyway, they're torturing this guy, Art Carney, and uh, he ends up being Arnold. Uh, it's going to be confusing. i, I got to make sure who I'm referring to. This is... Jack Slater's favorite second cousin, which is kind of a little a little inside joke that there's so many Jack Slater movies and so many of his relatives have been killed over the years that now we're on his favorite second cousin being the main plot line. It's a tough act to follow the death of his yeah. son, so they really just didn't even try in the in the fourth movie. Well, let's think about this. Jack Slater 3 ended with his son dying. Would there ever be a movie yeah. that, with a big action star ending with his son being killed at the end? I don't, I don't know if I would have seen that movie. 
And not only being killed, but like getting Hans Gruber, like you know, like having like the full blown Alan Rickman diehard death, like that. It's savage the way that they kill Jack Slater's kid. It is, uh, you know, unambiguous hard splat death. Uh, yeah, if that had been an actual movie, people would be upset, very upset. Indeed. Well, that's why they were so excited about Jack Slater four because Jack is back and now he's mad. Right, he's mad and he's not going to take it anymore. Okay, yeah, so there's a sub subplot going on with the Torellis and the Vivaldis and whatever, and then they torture Jack Slater's cousin, and in the audience, Danny's like, oh, you're going to pay, you're going to pay good. And so uh, there's a scene now where Jack goes back to his house, the cousin's there, I'm just skimming through it because it's not that important. What's hap- what is important is we're going to get some explosions on the screen, and there's these bad guys chasing Jack Slater in a car, big old truck chase with guns. And all of a sudden, uh, Danny's magic ticket starts acting up, the one from Houdini, and it starts acting up, and all of a sudden, the the line between movie and theater gets blurred, and an explosion of dynamite, or a stick of dynamite gets thrown into the theater somehow, because Jack Slater shoots it, it blows up, it blows Danny into the movie, and all of a sudden, he's <laughs> in the back of Jack's car in the middle of a chase scene in an action movie. Yeah, and he he's really into it pretty quickly. Uh, he's pretty, he, I think he figures out like instantly, he's like, I'm on the set of a movie. Uh, but he's close, but no cigar. Yeah. And it, it's a good scene. This is one of my favorite scenes in this movie, this truck chase. Cause it's so over the top and it's just, if you, if you like this kind of thing in a movie, this is perfect for you. We just, you know, that loud music, these ridiculous stunts, Jack can just drive anywhere in the car and anywhere on the road. And he's perfectly fine. He drives up the side of the LA for the river. He drives off a bridge at one point. There's one of my favorite sight gags where <laughs> Jack goes off a bridge onto the back of a, of a big rig, and then he is perfectly fine when he lands on the street. And just as he and Danny are talking, you see this background gag of the bad guys trying to do the same thing, and their car just goes flipping off into space like Darth Vader <laughs> at the end of New Hope. <laughs> It's great because it's it's a send up, obviously, of like the you know his his most recent success before this movie was T two, and there's that incredible. There's a couple of incredible car chases, but it's the one that's fairly early in the movie when he's making first contact with John Connor, and it feels like that, but in like a, a like a, a parody version of that, but also starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, so it's just it's very surreal. It's instantly like it's the stuff of you know double takey legend. Should we talk about the famous ice cream pun here? Oh, yes, please do. Okay, at one point in the movie, uh, Jack Jack is being chased by the bad guys. He, uh, for some reason, uh, one of their cars goes shooting into an ice cream truck, and uh, when the ice cream truck explodes and a cone goes flying out of the ice cream truck into one of the, the bad guys, the back of his head, and he falls down dead. And it's funny, just a little trivia bit, the uh, actor that gets killed there by the ice cream cone, that's Genghis Khan from uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the same actor. Oh, amazing. And so, uh, yeah, Schwarzenegger sees the guy killed by an ice cream cone, and he says, I really iced that guy, to cone a phrase. Uh, <laughs> somewhere in the future, Mr. Freeze is shaking his head. <laughs> Danny's like, wait, the bad accent, the terrible puns? I'm in the movie. Like, Danny gets it right away. This is an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. It's awesome. Yeah, and he he really has uh, to continue the the cold metaphors, the cold puns uh, a little bit. He has no chill about it. You know, he's really he's very open about his theory that this is all a movie, and it gets him into trouble pretty quickly. Where they uh, where Jack Slater just like kind of is like sort of nonchalantly dragging Danny around, not physically dragging him around, uh, but he's you know he just doesn't care that he's sort of tagging along. He brings him back to the police uh, precinct. And Danny instantly just, like, has this very incisive cut into the relationship between Jack Slater and his police chief. He's like, yeah, you were crying that one time, and you told Jack Slater that he was your dearest friend in the entire world. And the police chief's like, I thought that was our secret. <laughs> and they quickly realize, like, how does Danny Madigan know so much about us? So he's he kind of becomes uh, a person of interest pretty quickly. Yeah, although we, we neglected to mention the two amazing cameos at the start of the police station. Yeah, there's a this movie is filled with uh with some really spectacular cameos all throughout. Yeah, the one this is the one that really jumped out at me when I watched it. I thought, that's so cool. Like again, that's it's maybe it doesn't mean as so much to you now, but at the time when this came out, so yeah, Danny and Jack are walking into the LA police station and the first person that comes out is Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct in her exact crazy. costume. And, and Danny's like, hey, that's... And as he's turning around, all of a sudden the T-1000 comes out from Terminator 2. <laughs> Just walks right past him. Yeah. I remember in the theater, everyone was like cheering when that happened. That was so cool. This was literally right after T-2. That was such a cool cameo. And yeah, then you got the the, the, hey. the cartoon cat. Yeah, it's amazing in there. 
did the did the T uh, the T one thousand cameo in this come before or after his cameo in Wayne's I'm World? I'm glad you asked that because I actually researched that. This is after Wayne's World. So Wayne's World came first, and it was such a big hit that Schwarzenegger had actually begged Robert Patrick. He said, <laughs> "You got to do that again. You got to do that." And and Patrick's like, "I don't want it." Yeah. Robert, you are so funny in Wayne's World. I need you to do that exact <laughs> yeah. same joke in my new movie, Last Action Hero. That is exactly how it went down. So as a personal favorite, Arnold, he did that, and Sharon Stone didn't want to do it either she's like i'm not gonna be typecast he's like yeah remember i gave you a career because of total recall and so like she did it as a favor uh, to him my god don't worry it's pg-13 yeah. and now we got a really amazing uh gag in here this is so subtle and you have to know hollywood history to even get this joke but the mozart joke even at the time i love this one did, like did you get this one do you know i don't know i yeah. don't think that i did oh yeah because this is um because it's Right, right, yeah. right, right. And he won an Oscar for Amadeus. Yeah, F. Murray Abraham, very famous actor, won an Oscar. In the movie Amadeus, a couple of years before this, he played uh, Salieri, the guy who kills Mozart. And so when Danny sees the same actor in this movie as, like, Jack Slater's friend, he's like, wow, don't trust that guy. He killed Mozart. Which is like, wow, that's a very deep joke for a Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, this is one of those jokes that really dates Last Action Hero. <laughs> yes. You know, I think like you like I it took me a minute to to figure out what he was talking about. I was like, he's Salieri. Uh, and no, like very few people are yeah. going to get that now if they were getting I should point then. out that joke was dated in 93. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just a very but it's a very noble joke to go for. OK, I, I appreciate you went for that joke. It maybe shouldn't be there, but they went for it. So, you know, more power to him. Movie had a lot of heart. You can't you can't accuse it of uh, not having heart. Yeah. So of course, because it's an action movie, the chiefs decide. Well, we're not going to turn this kid over to social services, who's all of a sudden living in our police station. We're going to team you up with Jack Slater. <laughs> so they team right. up and they go out and beat your new partner, yeah. Jack. Danny freaking Madigan. <laughs> and right from the start, Danny's like, we're in a movie, Jack. This is crazy. And, Dan and Jack's like, we're not in a movie. This is the real world. And so Danny's like, and we're going to get my very favorite scene in the movie where they go to the video store. Danny's like, I will prove to you that this is a movie. So he takes into a blockbuster video, which people may know was a big video store in the 80s and 90s. And they walk in and then Danny goes right to the action section because I'm going to show you Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. And they get there and there's a big cardboard advertisement for Terminator 2 starring in this movie Sylvester Stallone as the Terminator. And Danny, yeah, so Danny sees that and he just mouth just drops. He's like, what the hell? And Schwarzenegger's like, oh, I loved him in that. He was great. It's his best acting yet. <laughs> That's a really, really great joke uh, because obviously the the Schwarzenegger Stallone rivalry certainly at the time I think is uh, is a pretty hot topic, uh, and to to have have that uh, baked into here is just it's a very very funny you know, gag to acknowledge that the Terminator exists in the Last Action Hero universe and the Jack Slater universe just in the guise of Sylvester you know, Stallone. The so funny behind that that they had a habit of doing that in each other's movies where they take little digs at each other. Yeah, that's great. No, favorite, I, they, I didn't uh, realize Schwarzenegger that. starts it in Twins. There's a scene where he gets off the boat and he's walking and, and he's walking through the town for the first time. And he sees a poster on the wall of Sylvester Stallone and Rambo. And he looks at Rambo and he looks at his own muscles and he kind of laughs at Stallone and says, ah, and like brushes them off. And then uh, Stallone did the same thing in Demolition Man, where there's a running gag that Schwarzenegger is the president now. Right, <laughs> so I remember like, that. That guy's president. Yeah. And so the, this this yeah. was Stallone or uh, Schwarzenegger returning the favor, bagging on Stallone being in T2. So it's just a fun little tit for tat they kind of had going on there in the 90s. What a shame that it culminated in freaking Escape Plan. <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe there's a, core, a collaboration at some point in the future that is yet to be filmed. It just hasn't happened yet. I hope so. And so, yeah, then Danny's trying to prove we're in a movie. Every phone number here starts with 555. Arnold's like, those are area codes. And Danny's like, every girl here is a model. Every, the most beautiful people in the world work in this video store. And Schwarzenegger's like, well, that's California. <laughs> which is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is a great little dig. So, yeah, Danny cannot convince Jack that they're in a movie. And uh, so now Danny says, well, I'll, I'll prove, I prove I've seen this in a movie. I know what we're doing. I'll tell you where the bad guys live. So they go to the bad guy's house, and Danny just spots it. And he's like, the bad guys are in there. And Schwarzenegger's like, oh, really? Wow, uh, you, you have just modernized police work. We don't have to do detective work right. anymore. You just point to a house and say, the bad guys are in there. The bad guys in there. Yeah, you've revolutionized, <laughs> revolutionized police. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and he's right. It turns out that that is exactly where the Vivaldis live, and Benedict is there, uh, played by the the excellent 
Charles Dance, who we haven't even talked about yet, but Charles Dance as Benedict with the ever-shifting eye, the fake eye. This is a spectacular yeah, he's villain. Great. What a great villain. He's good, movie. and I read that role was actually written for Alan Rickman. That was the plan. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's great because, again, you know, John McTiernan directed this, directed mm-hmm. Die Hard. That would have been hysterical. But I, I think that it, it's it's good to have somebody here who isn't somebody that you, you commonly associate with, like, typical action movie bad guy or even iconic action movie bad guy. Yeah, and here we have a couple great Schwarzenegger quotes. I will give you the honor if you'd like to do the quotes here with the uh, where Danny's like, are, are you, you think you're a comedian? Yeah, <laughs> because I know I am. I'm the famous comedian Arnold Braunschweiger. <laughs> yeah. Danny Madigan goes, it's Schwarzenegger. And Jack Slater goes, Gesundheit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's this running. I, I, quote, I quote that very often in yeah. my life. I, I just, it's Yeah, so for people funny. who haven't seen it, that's one of the great things about this movie, this running gag that Schwarzenegger can't even pronounce his own name. He's <laughs> like Arnold yes. Braunschweiger. <laughs> yeah, and he says it. He says it again later, where he's like, "That's Arnold Braunschweiger." Yeah, he just doesn't get it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and this is where we get the "I'll be back." And again, for people who don't know Arnold, that was his catchphrase in every movie up until I think this might be the last time he says it in a movie. I, I don't remember, but yeah, that was the gag. You kind of wait for him to say "I'll be back" in a movie, and they even play on it here, where where Jack tells uh, Danny, "I'll be back." He's like, "La, see, this isn't a movie. You didn't know I was gonna say that." And Danny's like, yeah, you do. You always Danny's say like, that. You're, that's your line. You say that every yeah. single time. Uh, it's no rubby baby bubber bumpers, uh, but it's it's pretty close. Could I speak to the drug dealer of the house, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they meet up with Benedict, and they, they realize that they're up against a, a problematic guy because he uh, threatens to sick the guard dogs on them, and the guard dogs, with the snap of a finger – could uh, redecorate the room arterial red. Uh, I thought was a was a great bad guy line from from Benedict. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna skip through this because we have a lot to get through. So I'm gonna skip through here. We meet the bad guys. The bad guys overhear Danny saying, "Well, I know they're the Vivaldis and the Torellis are working together," and they're like, "How the hell does he know that?" So they track Danny and Slater back to his house. There's a big fight there where we meet uh, Brigitte Bridget Wilson. Brigitte, I don't know how to say her name. Bridget Wilson, I believe, uh, a.k.a. Veronica yeah. Vaughn, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Pete Sampras' wife. She has not acted, I think, since 2008. What a shame. Yeah, Queen she was 90s. really good in this. This was her first movie, although I really think they kind of missed a joke not calling her character Bridget in the movie. Like, why do they call her Meredith and Whitney? Why not just call her Bridget Wilson? It would have made – I thought it would have anyway. yeah. So she's in there. There's a big uh, kerfuffle back at Slater's house where uh, the bad guys show up, and they end up getting their ticket on da- – uh, the bad guy, uh, uh, Benedict, gets his hand on the magic ticket. And this is going to become important later because at some point Benedict's going to come back into the real world. Yeah, and it's it's so funny when he starts to begin to understand the powers of the magic ticket that like he you know after this big action sequence you know he goes home licking his wounds Slater and and Danny are kind of trying to figure out what to do next and Benedict goes home and starts to see like you can kind of like go possibly into a parallel universe and as soon as he's like testing it out for the first time on the TV the Twilight Zone <laughs> starts playing so it's just like a great music cue right there uh, very very good stuff. Okay, so we're going to skip through some stuff because, again, if you've seen this movie, you know it. There's a bunch of action scenes. There's a scene at a funeral where Arnold has to get a a dead body that has a bomb in it. And it's just complete over-the-top action stuff. There's there's some criticism of this movie that's a little too action-y for its own good. And I would say maybe they could have trimmed down this section. It's a little long here, but... It does introduce us to Leo Leo the Fart, fart, which is... One of the great names in Yes, there's a history. wonderful, yeah, the bad guy named Leo the Fart who was dropped into the La Brea Tar Pits, which are apparently right next to Long Beach in this movie. And then there's yeah. a... Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's Hollywood. <laughs> and then, yeah, there's a great fart joke with him doing an SBD under the mud. So, anyway, you can appreciate this movie. Watch it yourself. But what I want to get to is the section where they, where Jack and uh, Benedict and Danny get transported back into the real world. Yeah, so they get they get zapped into the real world and like the last act of the movie, the last third or so, all takes place in our, you know, our universe's New York City. And there's going to be like a great world premiere for Jack Slater 4 that is happening in New York. And it's so much fun watching Jack Slater now try to figure out the the, you know, the niceties of the real world. It's almost even more fun to watch Benedict try to figure it out as a villain. He like one of the first things that he witnesses when he comes to New York is somebody like kill a guy over a pair of shoes. Then he just like decides to test out a theory. Like, does anybody give any kind of a crap about crime here? 
and he just he goes up to this guy at a gas station. He's like, I wonder if you would help me with an experiment. And he just shoots him and waits around for any kind of police response, and there is none. And Benedict swiftly realizes that he's coming from the universe where his kind always loses, and now he's entering a world where it actually the, – the moral reality of uh, Earth-1, as it were, plays yeah. in his favor. I've just shot a man. I did it on purpose. <laughs> and someone in New York's like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who cares? That's great. You get the bad guy coming back into the real world. You get Jack coming back into the real world. And there's a great scene where, you know, Schwarzenegger punches a window in a car to break in. He's like, ow, my hand hurts. <laughs> Danny's like, yeah, that's what happens in the yeah. real world. <laughs> And then Jack plays chicken where yeah. he, that's one of his things. He drives his car at the bad guy. And in the real world now he crashes <laughs> and he's like, Oh, that hurt. And Danny's like, you can't do that in the real world. People get hurt. So it's, it's Jack now struggling with the, the physics and the realities of the real world that he's not infallible all of a sudden. Also, Jack Slater meets Danny Madigan's mother, and the sexual chemistry is off the charts instantly. He introduces him to classical music, which is Mozart. Yeah, Mozart. Yeah, Schwarzenegger's listening to Mozart. He's like, what is this? I like this. And she's like, that's classical music. Are you a fan? He's like, I don't know. I think I might be. And then Danny's like, Mom, you turned yeah. him into a wimp. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. she likes it. She wants she wants Jack to slay, to stay. She wants and to slay. She wants Jack to be Danny's new daddy. <laughs> Mommy like. <laughs> it's really it's amazing. And Danny, I, Danny never says it, but you can tell he's like, no, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, mom. Back to Hayden Christensen, good job. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's sand and Jack. It makes him sandy. <laughs> So Benedict is now back in the the real world, and he he comes up with an elaborate plan to kill Jack Slater. And this is this is where, like I said, where the movie starts getting so meta on a different level. Like I don't even know what it's doing at this point. Where now he he can he's has this magic ticket where you can go in and out of movies, and and he realizes you can also summon villains from movies and bring them into our world. And this is like if they ever wanted to do a spinoff or a sequel, there's so much they could do with this, bring like Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and stuff into the into the modern world. But like he brings the Ripper, who's the guy who killed Jack's son at the end of Jack Slater 3, into the real world. So now there's this Ripper and Benedict's like, well, I want you to kill Jack Slater. But in this world, Jack Slater is played by an actor named Arnold Schwarzenegger. So we're going to go to this movie premiere tomorrow and you're going to kill Arnold Schwarzenegger, thus killing Jack Slater. Yeah, is that how that's going to work? Like, the, 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 don't think that retroactively kills the movies. So I feel like the Jack Slater of the Jack Slater universe is going to be fine. So, I don't know. You gotta, you might want to think that one yeah. through, Benedict. It's neither here nor there, because obviously it's It's kind of Bill work. and Tedsy at this point. Like, whoa, we did leave the keys here. <laughs> right. <laughs> the evil robot us is. It doesn't make uh, sense, but just go with it. Because now we get to the big set piece of this movie. This is the one that everyone was buzzing about after when it aired, where uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is playing himself at a movie premiere with his wife, Maria. And this is the scene that Josh alluded to earlier, where Maria's like, don't plug your restaurant. It's so tacky. And Arnold immediately starts plugging his restaurant because he's like a goo yeah, he's he like a goober so. in real life. <laughs> so great. Like little Richard is here. The, the I think uh, James Belushi is here and he's like, I don't I don't really like Schwarzenegger. but My girlfriend does. And I just want to get <laughs> yeah. laid tonight. MC Hammer. Uh, There's no way to date fun. a movie better than MC Hammer showing up as a cameo. Yes. <laughs> It's great. I, I really wonder how they staged it. They must have really treated it like uh, an actual Hollywood premiere. I bet that's how they how they filmed it. But it, it plays really well. It, it feels like one of those classic movie events. Um, and yeah, everything uh, the fit hits the shan pretty quickly here, uh, as uh, as Slater has to save Schwarzenegger and Slater. I hate, hate Schwarzenegger. <laughs> well, that, yeah. Again, hate just him. one more little Arnold. Arnold taking a dig at himself. They're talking about Arnold explaining to reporters how this Jack Slater movie is more responsible than ones in the past. He's like, in this movie, we only kill forty-eight people. In the last one, we killed one hundred and twelve yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's cleaning up his act. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So the Ripper shows up at the theater, and Schwarzenegger's there, and Slater's there, and again, it's it's meta doesn't even begin to describe what's going on here. And so yeah. So Slater tries to shoot the Ripper, and Schwarzenegger stops. Slater so we have Schwarzenegger fighting with himself kind of like Superman 3 here in the junkyard a little bit yes <laughs> it's just I just remember just my jaw was dropping when I watched this movie for the first time thinking how clever and just how ornate this whole setup was at this point 
Yeah, and then it all comes full circle because the climax of this movie mirrors the climax of Jack Slater 3 when the Ripper killed Jack Slater's son, and now the Ripper has Danny Madigan in the place of Jack Slater's son. So a big uh, hostage situation plays itself out on the roof of the And it's very sweet because at the end of this movie, not to spoil it, Jack is able to save Danny, unlike how he was unable to save his son in Jack Slater 3, so he's made up for this pain of losing his son. He actually was able to save his surrogate son, where it actually gets kind of deep here for a second. Like, whoa, what happened? It's a, it's a surprisingly emotional movie. Like, the, the moments where, um, where when, you know, we, we skipped past this, but when Jack Slater first comes into into reality and he meets the, the projectionist, and the projectionist is like, this is so cool, I've never met a fictional character before. Jack Slater's like, this is awful. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm a fictional character. Everything I know yeah. is a lie. So there's this, there's this like existential angst that sort of uh, permeates the final act of this film that you're not expecting. So I think it makes sense to me why you're you're uh, the the dumb person from high school who you encountered after this movie is like I don't get it because it's just so totally yeah. bizarre. It's just again, it's just it's it may flop. It's 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 just so many loose ends and ideas being thrown at you, and it doesn't always work. But again, it's such a noble try. <laughs> Yeah, they really yeah. went for it. And so at the end, yeah, Slater gets shot, and he's in the real world, he's going to die. And there's this whole ornate ending with death coming out of the screen out of an Ingmar Bergman film, which I... Speaking yeah, of Bill and Ted. And that's Ian McKellen. That's Sir Ian McKellen is death coming out, and he sees Jack, and he's like, he was going to take him and take him back to... And take, and, uh, taken to the afterlife but he's like i don't do fictional characters he's not on my list so we know that jack's gonna survive right. and danny ends up getting jack at the movie ticket getting jack back into the movie world and all of a sudden jack's uh horrible entry wound in his chest is just a flesh wound and the what is this i can't even treat this and jack is right back to normal and everything by the end of the movie is back to normal danny is a kid in the real world slater is a fictional character in the fictional universe and all is well and I remember just coming out of this movie thinking, wow, that was fun. That was a big movie that made you think. At the time, I was surprised it was considered a flop. But again, if you look at the reality, it wasn't that big a flop. It just wasn't a huge hit. So that's that's the reality. I think, yeah, it just didn't meet expectations, I think. But I, I don't know. It's so fun. It's very funny and it's very light. Even when it gets deep, it doesn't get too deep. It doesn't get too dark, but it gets just dark enough that the movie has some substance to it. I think the sense of humor from Schwarzenegger about himself in this movie, um, I love that. I hate people who cannot take shots oh, yeah. at themselves. You know, like if you if you cannot make fun of yourself, uh, it's just it's a bad quality. And so anyone who who especially on such a high platform as the one that Schwarzenegger has to really just come after his own wig the way that he does, um, you can't not respect that, or at least I can't not respect that. So Last Action Hero was always a hit for me, whether or not it was a hit yeah, at the box office. Yeah, and it might not be a movie that's like a, like a masterpiece. You don't walk out of it thinking that was great, but it's it's not a movie that you can hate either. That's the thing. Like, I've never really met someone who vehemently hates this movie with a passion. It's one of these things, well, oh, that could have been better. But, like, that's the thing. If that's your criteria, that's a pretty high bar. So I, I, it's one of these movies I wish people would, would uh, go out there and rent and give a chance because I think it's a lot of fun. And it's one that, you know, I've showed my kids. They both thought it was pretty funny. They enjoyed it, too, even though they don't get all the jokes from that area. But it's just one of those. It's one of my top five Schwarzenegger movies since you were naming your top five. Would you put it in your top five? So I, I did a ranking of the Schwarzenegger uh, catalog once upon a time at an old job, and I was looking at it today. It's uh, You can search for it. It's, it's posted on MTV.com, and I think I had, I had it at number Ooh. 10 uh, overall, just trying to be objective about it in terms of um, you know taking my feelings out of it and just looking at the catalog. But it would be really high up there for me if it was just my personal list, if it was just like my favorites. I think that... I think Last Action Hero cracks five. If not, it's like right at six for me, just in terms of like my own personal standards for the movie. I would personally put it in my top three. And that's wow. uh, my number one will always be True Lies, just because I am a huge James Cameron fan. I'm a huge Schwarzenegger fan. I think that was the perfect collaboration. I like T2. That's the other one that I really love. But it takes about 45 minutes to really get going. It's always a kind of a slow slog at the start of that movie, which is my, the one thing I always hold against it. Whereas True Lies just jumps right into the action. But I would yeah. probably put this as my third favorite. I know that's, you know, hard to do when there's movies out there like Total Recall and Predator and Commando and all them. But, like, I really like Last Action here. I just really think it's a noble attempt at doing something that most movies were not doing at that time. 
I think in terms of the Schwarzenegger comedies, it's a really hard pick for me between True Lies, Kindergarten Cop, and Last Action Hero. The three of them are all some of my favorite movies, uh, just in terms of personal favorites. So hard for me to rank it, but I also I just love Schwarzenegger so much that even if, if it's number ten, that's still you know probably you know several spots higher than than most of the movies in my life. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm a fan. Love this movie. Uh, I feel like there's there's so much in here that we didn't that we didn't even get to. Like the fact that that one scene when the captain is reaming out Slater and Danny Madigan after Slater's house has exploded, and they were in the thick of the explosion, but they're totally <laughs> fine. <laughs> like there's no burns on them whatsoever. It looks like they were painting. <laughs> And he just has, like, smoke sizzling out of his ears as he's not even speaking English. He's like, he's just, like, screaming at them. Uh, Or, like, one-liners, like, Leo the Fox is going to pass gas one more time. Like, there's just so much in here. The one-liners, the the recurring gags, it's just spectacular. There's two that I want to highlight that we just glossed over. I'll do this real quick. That one was... Yeah. Like you said earlier, there's a scene where Danny tries to get Jack to say the F word to prove that this is a movie. He's like, well, we're in a PG-13 movie. <laughs> yes. Why don't you say this word? He obviously writes the F word and holds it up. And, and, and Jack's like, I'm not going to say that. Don't be ridiculous. And, and Danny's like, you, yeah, you yeah, can't because up. this is a PG-13 movie. That's a very clever thing because at the time, an F word was automatic R. So that they're making fun of the movie conventions of the rating system there. And there's another one where Danny is in is on a bike and he's gonna play chicken with the bad guys in the movie. And Danny starts riding his bike as hard as he can towards the bad guy's car, and he's like, I'm a good guy in a movie. I can't die. This'll work every time. And like as he gets closer and closer, he's like, Wait a minute, I'm a comic sidekick. I'm dead meat. Oh my god. So just yeah. like the conventions <laughs> of movies that are going on in people's heads is just very clever, I thought. And he goes flying like <laughs> E.T. across the moon. And the, the CGI on it is so bad. <laughs> it's, it's really fun to fun to watch. Another one that I that I really love is when Benedict, the aptly named Benedict, uh Benedict Arnold's his Ooh. boss and you know decides to to go out on his own and, and uh he kills uh Tony Vivaldi and he's got like the higher ground on him again, a little Anakin Skywalker <laughs> for you. Uh and he's on like this bridge in Tony Vivaldi's like vast mansion, uh standing over him in the pool and Tony Vivaldi is like, Why are you doing this? You're doing uh you're doing a three sixty on me. And Benedict goes, 180, you stupid spaghetti slurping cretin. 180. If I did a 360, I'd go completely around and end up back where I started. <laughs> and and Vivaldi's like, wait, what? Are you sure? And he just goes, you'll have to trust me. And then he just shoots him. It's a great moment. To this day, I still cite that reference when people say I'm doing a 360. Like, no, you're not. Watch yeah. Last Action Hero. He explains the logic. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, a I just great got insult. one more that's off the top of my head that I love about this movie where it's a kind of an underrated movie. You got uh, Anthony Quinn, I believe, plays Vivaldi, very respected, famous actor. Yes. And he gives a little speech at one point in the movie where he's like, why am I the bad guy? Who says that I have to be the bad guy? Then he's like, by the way, kill everybody. I want all their families dead. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that little transition. That's as the writer in me, the comedy writer. That's the kind of joke I love, where you say one thing and you immediately cancel it out with the next sentence. Oh my god, we didn't even talk about like the guitar twangs that are all throughout this movie. Like the soundtrack is so obnoxiously bad, but it's perfect for that reason. Like it's just like the every exaggerated stereotype of action movie scores that you can get. Like anytime Jack Slater jumps from like one platform to another, you just hear. Yeah. Every time, without. Yeah, I should point yeah. out there's not one but two Die Hard homages in this because the director of this movie did Die Hard, and there's two blatant Die Hard homages of someone falling down off a building. One with the kid at the start, right. and he's scared Jeff's Jack's kid, and the second one later where Jack falls off the hotel in Long Beach. There just could not be more of a Die Hard ripoff. So there's just so many little in jokes in this movie that it's just one. I think if you just if you've never seen it, just just pop it up one night, pull it up, and just watch it, and you'll probably laugh in spite of yourself. It's a very clever movie. There's a great moment too. This is my last one that I've got that I we just didn't. We, it's maybe my favorite line of the movie when uh, it's right after Danny Madigan has entered Slater's world for the first time, and he's I think the action scene is over or it's about to be over, and he's driving him away, and he's like, "Don't worry, you're still going to see all the joys that life has to offer: acne, shaving, premature ejaculation, and your first divorce." <laughs> and I just thought that that was such a great line. Uh, 
that like all of those things are things that uh that I've experienced except for the divorce. So it felt yeah. very true to home. Well, it makes sense. He is the famous comedian Arnold Braunschweiger. Yes. <laughs> Did you ever uh, encounter the Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboard in your uh, days on yes, the internet? Yes, I will say. I will say, as a budding internet user in the late 90s, my first, very first funniest thing I ever saw on the internet was where people would take the Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboard and make prank calls with it. And I thought that was the funniest goddamn thing I'd ever seen. And that's why I fell in love with the internet, because that's the kind of anarchy and comedy you'll find on the internet. Just, yeah, people using random Arnold quotes in phone calls to, like, Dell customer service. Like, I'm a cop, you idiot. Yeah. (laughs) Hope you leave enough room for me. I hope you left enough room for my fist, because I'm going to ram it into your stomach. And there's the reason I bring it up is because Schwarzenegger uses a Schwarzenegger soundboard in Last Action Hero. There's like his ex-wife is calling the police station and he like leaves her with like the talk boy from Home Alone 2 where it's just him being like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like yesing her to death. And I'm pretty sure that both of those quotes found their way onto the actual Schwarzenegger soundboard that existed after this movie. I believe one of them does come from this movie. The one, uh, hey, I'm a police officer. That's from this movie. And uh, I'm not sure about the rest. But yeah, just if anybody likes the history of Internet comedy, look up the Arnold Schwarzenegger prank calls. They're some of the funniest things ever. So good, so funny. Yeah, if you don't if you don't have that in your life already, please change that. My processor so is a neural net processor. <laughs> a learning computer. Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> I always love Stop it! Stop whining. Yeah, yeah. yeah for people who don't know, that's what when he's on the phone prank phone calls with Dell customer service, they'll play that quote. Stop whining! Stop it! Uh, it's great. It's all. Oh my god. Okay. It's so good. I know you have many, many other things to do, and you probably have to go soon. Anything else you'd like to say as we wrap up our coverage of the woefully underrated Last Action Hero? No, this is a blast. Uh, I just I love Schwarzenegger so much. Like you know, just about any Schwarzenegger movie. And there's still some holes in my um, in my Schwarzenegger viewing catalog. There's a few. There's a few movies that I I really should have seen by now, and I haven't. And I I can't wait to get to those someday. Uh, I'm sa- I'm saving uh, I'm saving a few of these movies for for future viewings. Just knowing that they are out there in the universe. Uh, but this is this is one of those movies that really delights me and it had been a very long time since i had seen it so thank you for giving me the excuse to revisit last action hero total delight and super fun to finally get on a podcast yeah, absolutely. With you, I'm, I'm sorry if it caused any uh domestic strife in your house you having to show this to anybody none don't okay. worry about it and you know oh, i'm probably well. going to ask you back for the inevitable jingle all the way podcast so just start preparing oh yeah i'll, I'll bring emily along for the ride <laughs> I just oh I just always loved how he says Tubo man. <laughs> What's his character's name in that one? That's the one of the running jokes in Schwarzenegger movies. He always has the most generic white bread name. It is uh it's Howard Langston. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Tasker in another movie, Howard Langston. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he's he's got he uh John Matrix is pretty far afield, I feel like. Uh but he's got yeah, he's got Ben Richards in the running man. Detective John Kimball. That's kind of the thing with Schwarzenegger. In every movie, he never even attempts an accent. He's still this giant, massive Austrian bodybuilder who could only be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yet he plays these generic names, which is they're they're amusing on their own just by that. The only time he gets an American accent is when he is overdubbed, and it has been a long time since they uh, they gave him that treatment. And I'm thinking Hercules in New York. There's a deleted scene in Terminator 3 where you're seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger in like an informational video of how the Terminators are made. And he's like the scientist that the Terminator's likeness is based on. And he opens his mouth and he suddenly has this very thick (laughs) Texas accent where he's like, howdy. And it's the most alarming thing. I think that deleted scene is somewhere on the Internet. You can you can search for it. It is just so jarring and like icky to see this voice coming out of Arnold Schwarzenegger's mouth. If he tried an American accent, it wouldn't work. No one would ever take it seriously. All right. Well, I just want to thank you for stopping by. And uh, again, anybody who has feedback on this episode, if you want to reach me, you can email me at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me at Mario J. Lanza. I just recently set up a uh, Facebook page for it's called Staff Picks, the underrated underloved movies podcast. If you like that, you'll have all the updates and everything on there. And again, thank you, Josh, for stopping by. And until the next time we talk, I'll be out there searching for underloved and underrated movies. And I will talk to you guys again later. Thank you for listening. Hasta la vista, baby. 
Goodbye. The point is, there are no unattractive women here. I mean, where are the ordinary, everyday women? They don't exist because this is a movie. No, this is California. Stop whining.